If I speak, is that, can you hear me now? So yeah, um, glasses. It's really good to be um, back this morning. Um, it was lovely to talk to the um, earlier congregation um, because that's the, the tradition that I grew up in and um, we didn't quite have all the smells and bells which assured me this morning it was alright to use that term, um, they weren't offended, but it was, um, I, I still love the liturgy, I think it's incredibly well written and very deep and that there was huge amounts um, to commend in the liturgy uh, and so it's been really lovely to, to be able to get back and um, fellow, uh, join them in that but um, there was one particular part of it that I um, particularly resonated with when I came back and that is the hymn numbers um, which I, when I sang in a church choir that I was growing up in it used to quite often be my job to go and put the hymn numbers up so I felt a certain affection for that but um, also I had um, a very beloved uncle um, who who, who I kind of grew up with, really, and he, um, he, his favourite trick on a Sunday morning was if, if he didn't think the sermon was up to snuff, he would sit and work out the average of the hymn numbers in his head, and then, on the way out, is that okay, sorry? Oh, okay, so there you go. Um, so he wrote that in his head, and then on the way out, at the end of the service, the, the, the preacher and the ministers would all sort of line up by the door and solemnly shake hands with everybody as they left to go and have their coffee elsewhere. Um, and sometimes it would be very lovely sermon, Vicar, lovely, wonderful, and sometimes it would be average of the hymn numbers is blood, 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 um, which was, um, so, which the, the, the incumbent minister took on the nose very well. Um, some visitors were a bit perplexed and, and, he, and he just left them to work out exactly when he had calculated this in the sermon. Anyway, um, so in the same way that Johnny has given us a bit of literacy homework to do this morning, um, I'm giving you a bit of uh, numeracy homework. If you want to check my maths, you are free to do so. Um, and I will not take offence if anybody wants to correct me on it. It was, it was even more interesting this morning because um, we actually sang a, um, one hymn had a different hymn number, so I haven't worked out what the actual revised um, average of the songs we sang is. But anyway, there you go. Um, so there you go. Um, it was even more interesting a couple of weeks ago when we, we had a different hymn number on the service sheet to the one that was up there. So half the congregation started singing one and half the congregation singing. It was just lovely. And I, I love that because that's all part of enjoyable family life, isn't it? When, when, things, when it's on the PowerPoint, it's just like that's the one you've got to sing, isn't it? So... Um, but I digress. Today we're continuing the series on um, giving generously, um, which Johnny started last week, and our passage this week is um, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 to 15, helpfully put up there. And I am going to read that to you in just a moment. Uh, a little bit of context for it, though. Um, this is part of the second letter to the Corinthians, um, and in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul has been quite quite bold um, and in um, addressing calling them out on some problems of behavior that were going on in their quite quite lurid lifestyles um, so he's been quite firm with them and um, also in the meantime there, there's some false teachers have been um, undermining his integrity and his authority or challenging it so there's been a bit of a tension has built up in the relationship between Paul and this church in Corinth um, so much of this letter is actually self-defense um, and a reminder of the way he does his ministry um, and just a, a few reminders of quite how much he's suffering on part of the gospel as well. Um, but in the middle, we have these two chapters um, regarding um, an offering which is being taken up um, from various regional churches to help the impoverished church in Jerusalem. Okay. Um, 
And we're not actually sure what the reason for the poverty is, but we do know that, um, certainly from the last time I spoke here, which was on Act 6, already we know that there was a distribution being given out among different sets of widows on a daily basis, so the Hellenistic ones or the, the, the Jewish widows, um, and there was a disagreement about an imbalance in that. So we know from that that there was already considerable generosity and sacrificial giving going on in the church um, to the people that were there, and it wasn't unusual for widows from further out in the empire um, who had maybe had no family support to actually sort of start congregating or gravitating towards Jerusalem. So there genuinely would have been a much higher incidence of uh, needy church members um, among the, the, the Jerusalem church than there might have been out in the sticks, as it were. Um, so... Just to give you a little flavour, I am going to read the passage now, but I'm going to give you a little run-up to it. Um, Paul is the master of um, a building up and of um, encouragement and motivational speaking. Um, so I hope you'll, you'll bear with me in a moment, because I'm just going to give you a little run-up through the previous chapter, paraphrased, intent, meant to be respectfully. I hope it doesn't come out any other way, and then I'll let you know when I'm actually getting to the real reading. Okay, so... So Paul is saying, and when he starts, he, this is the end of chapter 7, he says, you know, he apologises for offending them um, in his previous letter when he's called them out on all these problems. And then he goes, but now I'm happy because your sorrow has produced repentance so that you have not lost out because of my words. I'm especially happy that you received Titus so well because I boasted to him about you and you have not made me ashamed. I am so glad I can have confidence in you. Stroke, stroke. And then we get to chapter 8. Now, let me tell you about those poor, poor people in Macedonia who gave so generously, beyond what they could afford, off their own backs, pleading with us to share in the privilege of this servant to the saints. As you excel in everything, see if you can in this matter of giving. I'm not commanding you, merely comparing your earnestness with that of others, for you were the first to give and to even have the desire to. We don't want others to be relieved while leaving you in poverty, just equality. Your plenty now can help them. When you have need, they can supply you. I'm sending you Titus with the brother that was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry this offering so that we can be seen to administer this without criticism and to honour the Lord by doing what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but of men too. And we're sending another brother who has been commended for his zealousness and is now even more zealous because of his confidence in you. Show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that all the churches can see it. But I don't need to write to you on this matter because I know of your eagerness to help. In fact, I've been boasting of it to those poor Macedonians, which is why I'm sending the brothers um, to help. I'm oh, sorry, which is why I'm sending the brothers in case any, many Macedonians get to you first and find you unprepared. We and you would be ashamed of having been so confident. Hence, I'm sending these brothers in advance to help you finish preparing the generous gift you have already ungrudgingly promised. So, no pressure. And now we get to today's reading. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever shows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And then one verse into the next chapter, just around, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. So Paul, who is, um, I personally think he's the master of slightly manipulative preaching there, isn't he? But um, anyway, um, the message is clear, isn't it? Be generous in financial giving there. It's an exhortation to do that. However, Johnny preached that sermon last week. Um, so I don't really need to speak about money. I know money's important, and we've taken it, um, a collection for the Heroin Day Centre today, so, um, which is brilliant. But um, I'm going to think about um, generosity of giving in other domains beyond the financial today. Um, but there are just a couple of points that I, I wanted to make that are generic. One is that the interesting thing about this one is that it's, this is the, the church at Corinth is obviously a Gentile church. So this is a Gentile church being appealed to to support an impoverished church of Jewish Christians, although that church was swelling and um, drawing in Gentile um, Christians as well. So, so this is a real bringing together of the wider church and an expression of mutuality and, and mutual um, support flowing either way. Um, and then the other part of it is obviously that uh, Paul's stressing that the gift to be voluntary, okay? although his scrum, thumb screws might not actually suggest that in this passage, but because the actual aim is a demonstration of concern and love, okay? um, which is why the, um, the core of you know, cheerful giver, you know, we do this out of concern and love for, for these other people, not just to, to tick a box of, oh, I've given my 10% this month or whatever. It's we do it with the people in mind, and which is, and, and resonates very well with Jesus's new command. He said to love one another. So that's the core and that's our motivation to do that. So but anyway, so what are the other types of generous giving? Well, um, I actually believe them all to be alive and well in SMG already. Um, so I kind of hope that this would be more of an encouragement rather than, than an exhortation. Um, so the first one is um, generous giving of stuff. Um, and we see that with the harvest this morning, don't we? Um, and we don't see it here. We see it in things like people giving stuff to, to one can um, or, or gifts, um, birthday presents and things like that are, are very important as well, aren't they? Um, but we, we don't just have to be money. It can be stuff that can be useful, stuff that can be a treat. Um, I remember when I first crossed a management 
threshold at Ford, um, and, and the, the senior manager who, who was appointing me said, you know, he said, you know, one of the best motivational things in the morning, he said, well, when, I, when morale's a bit low in the office, what I do, he said, I come in early and I put a Twix on everybody's seat. And he said, and it doesn't half lift the morale. Just little things like that can really um, brighten up somebody's day, can't they? So it didn't work when I moved up to Halewood and got 120 shop floor scousers. They didn't, couldn't afford that many Twixes, actually. But anyway, I had to find other ways of motivating them. So, um, But one particular favourite of, of mine is uh, FreeCycle. I wonder how many people know about FreeCycle or use FreeCycle. I've cleared two family homes with a lot of help from FreeCycle now. And it's brilliant because people turn up and just take it away. Um, when we had our kitchen done, uh, somebody actually took the old kitchen away. It turned up and took it. It was fantastic. Um, but, um, and then the blessing comes back when you give, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed that? Um, a particular favourite of um, mine was that when I was... I, have a, I had a, this uncle I talked about with the hymn numbers... Um, I had power of attorney for him, so when he went into a care home, um, it fell to me to, to clear um, <clears throat> his house, which, which had been our family home. And he, um, he had this enormous map chest. Definitely wouldn't fit in, in anywhere in our house and be useful. It was a big metal wooden thing, and I was thinking, oh, what do I do with that? But I was actually on FreeCycle to upload some other stuff, and then I noticed that somebody was looking for a map chest, which I'd never seen before. It just happened to have put this request up that day. So I offered it to them, and um, the gentleman said, oh, yes, can I come now? Um, and he, he came straight over. He was so excited to have this map chest, and um, he took it off, and, and an hour or two later, he... Um, he texted me to say, just thank you so much, he said. It's being um, filled up by my very artistic daughter, whose artwork is all over the house, driving her mother nuts. Um, and, and this daughter was excitedly organising this map chest and decorating it and filling it with stuff. And um, her latest project was on the top. He said, it's so, you know, this map chest has just give, made us all so happy today. Thank you. Um, and I felt, oh, I felt really, really warm, rosy glow over that. It was lovely. It was like a blessing that came back. And then I, I thought, well, I better go and tell my uncle about this. You know, this is his. I've just given away. So, so I went into his care home, and um, thankfully he was in a lucid moment at that point. And I just explained this to him. And he was, he was so thrilled because he'd been an artist, and he'd used it to keep his artwork in it and his stained glass windows that he used to make and various other things. And he was just so moved at the thought that this chest that had just been sat there for years and he hadn't really touched for a long time had suddenly been given a new lease of life by someone who was trying to go into it was working on artistic things which was his passion um and you know we both were crying by the end of it so it was just you know the blessing when we give a gift the blessing comes back with interest doesn't it um so do that but it's not just stuff that we can or not just giving of our stuff um we can share it as well can't we um I've known lots of generous people lend cars, for example. Our neighbour lends us his long loppers whenever it's time to get stuck into a hedge, and it's a real blessing. Or sharing our homes, can't we? Um, for several years, we shared our home on a Sunday evening with up to 30 teenagers who emptied the larder, filled the sitting room, piled up, and it was such a blessing to have them in the house. Um, I'm trying to think if we can do it again um, soon, but... Um, yeah, it was, really, it was really lovely. And a lot of us share our homes, don't we, and bring people in as a place to make them feel welcome or um, just loved. 
um, which is so important, isn't it? So, um, so anyway, stuff. There's lots more I could say about that, so I'm going to, I'm going to stop on that one. But the next one is sharing of time. Um, have you, any of you read any of Watchman Nee's writing? Um, he, I had went through a phase when I was at university reading his stuff. He was a great Chinese missionary and church planter in, in back in the 20th century. It makes me feel incredibly old to say back in the last century. Um, but he made a point, apparently, of um, trying to, when he was invited to go and speak somewhere, it was, it was a principle of his that he would try and keep the costs down for the people that had invited him. So he would walk. Sometimes he would take days to walk to where they were. Um, and then one particular time, um, a church had, had sent a vehicle for him. And he said, no, you know, you mustn't spend that cost. Don't do it. And they immediately came back and said, but your time is much more valuable to us than, um, than the value of the transport. Um, you know, if, we, if you take this vehicle, you, we can have two days more of your company and, and learn from you and have your teaching and be with you. And he, and he said it, it, it really gave him pause for thought about that. And time is so important, isn't it? You know, um, even if we just go and sit in a lonely person's room with them and be with them in that, that is valuable and shows them that they care, even if they can't open up about what they're talking about. Um, and I know at St Andrews there is the, the, the occasional helps group, which I think a lot of you have been a part of, uh, just a list of people who, can, um, who are ready to do any number of things, and um, if there's a need, um, a pastoral need, or maybe a lift to hospital, or just a freezer needs to move from A to B, or, or someone needs a, a quick branch lopping off something, then... Um, that can be, you know, so the request goes into the group and usually someone says, well, I'm free that time, I can do it, and they, they pitch in and help. And it's a way of meeting a, in a real need uh, in that particular moment for someone. Um, I personally find hospital runs quite, quite challenging, but also a real privilege just to hear people talking about how they're feeling about this usually horrible appointment that they're about to go with chemotherapy or radio or something like that. But um, just to be with them in that moment is, is such a privilege, isn't it? Um, teaching, um, time to teach people things, which I know any parents probably find the repetition of the same lesson a little wearing, um, but such a thrill when the lesson gets learnt and they move on. Um, Rashan came and taught me, you're not paying attention, are you? Um, <laughs> Rashan came and taught me how to deal with a bulb at the back of, um, back of my car. Um, and recently I had my chain, chainsaw uh, serviced um, in the view of well, we're not going to take all the trees down, are we? But anyway, doing, doing some work out here. And I, there's a lovely chap who was just... And, and I kind of just... I looked at it and I suddenly realised I couldn't remember how to switch it on, um, which is a bit stupid, really, as we're going to use it. So anyway, so I just said, could you, could you just show me it? And I, I think half an hour later, this gentleman had given me an entire lesson in how the full maintenance, the full works, how to use it and everything and why they mend it in certain ways. It was a, he was really enthusiastic, but it was a real blessing. So, and, and there's so much else, isn't there? I think some of you may have helped Joy do some gardening recently, which is a real service to the community. Gave your time for that. that litter picking in the area. Um, there's a lot, isn't there, that we can do. Um, and it's a real blessing. And actually, this comes back to what Paul was talking about. It's, it's a demonstration of our love and our care. And by doing that stuff for people, often gives the chance to talk to them and, and to, to show them that we care and love, which is what we want to be, the hallmark of our... Um, of our church um, but the third thing third and final thing um, is um, generous giving of attitude by, by which I mean um, positive encouraging attitude um, 
which is interesting in a household of, I've lived in a household of teenagers for quite a few years now, and some, sometimes the attitude being shared is not one one would want to encourage, um, but usually it's good. And I, and I think, or, or another way of putting it is generosity of spirit. Um, and I think that's so key to family life, isn't it? That as we, um, and it's something I've really appreciated here about SMG, that, that we odd squad that have arrived from St Andrews with our PowerPoints and guitars have still been made welcome by the, the first congregation, haven't they, with their much more formal. They don't understand quite our level of relaxation and we don't understand fully their level of formality. And yet both are such important expressions of different ways of relating to God. Um, and I think it's, um, and I personally think it's brilliant that SMG has both expressions going on here because it widens the range of people to whom the church could be attractive. Um, and I think it's really, it's a good um, opportunity for us to be gracious towards one another, isn't it? If we don't understand someone worshipping in a different way, we can nevertheless respect that it means something to them, can't we? Um, and, and so I think it's uh, agreeing to differ is really generous-spirited, isn't it? And um, I think it's particularly important also, generosity of spirit in when newcomers come in, okay, um, and if they then stick their nose around the door and kind of are looking to find it, is this place, is this a place that's worth coming to and being at, what they see amongst us in our generosity of spirit and our ability to agree to differ and to appreciate different expressions will actually help them to feel safe enough to want to stay around. Okay, and I think that's really crucial, isn't it? And um, I know that um, there's one church I used to go at when I was, I was training. I moved around a lot. And there was one particular church I went to for a while, which was a, a Baptist church. Lots of people standing up giving pictures and saying, I think God's saying this and whatever. And we had a very strong word one week that um, God wanted us to love the unlovable. And um, so there's a bit of thought and picking over what was meant by the unlovable um, and, it, and, it, and people thought well we've got to make sure it doesn't, doesn't mean that we're not condemning anybody or anything like that but it was more just that God wanted us to go all out and love the people that might be difficult to love, either the people that needed a bit of extra grace or, um, or whatever, but anyway um, not long after that there was an influx of um, homeless people who, who started appearing in the service um, and they were all lovely people you could have wonderful conversations with them there's no problem with that. The, the thing that was most strikingly difficult to deal with was the fact that obviously they were homeless. There weren't any ha shelters around or anything like that. So a lot of them just didn't wash for weeks or months and their clothes hadn't changed their clothes for weeks or months. And so being anywhere in a close radius was actually quite difficult without wanting to hold your nose. Um, and, it was a and, and that was a real challenge to us to say, you know, actually God wants us to show that these people are welcome and appreciated here. Um, and also that we had some people there who's, who had interesting life configurations that, you know, a, a, somebody being born and bred in the Christian faith might look at and think, I don't, I don't think God would approve of that. Um, but actually, God did approve. He just wanted them to come in. And it was our job to welcome them and make them feel welcome. And, and sometimes people need to be in a family for long enough to feel safe and secure and loved enough 
before God can start to work on them and, and help them move forward. And I, I see very much that that's part of our, our role, um, to be ready um, for whoever comes to the door and to be demonstrating our generosity of spirit towards them and towards one another so that we are united in our welcome and our mutual respect and appreciation. Um, so if it, just, to, just to wrap up, if you'll um, forgive a metaphor mix-up, um, so sowing generously, okay, sowing our time, our stuff, our spiritual generosity um, builds bridges rather than walls. Um, and across those bridges um, can come in the harvest of the many who need God or need to come back to God. And, and that is my, my prayer. And I, I see it a lot in SMG, just the way that we've, we've meshed together. Um, but I think Sometimes I think we, we always have a challenge to, to go on and do more, don't we? Um, so let's do that. Anyway, so that's... Um, thank you. Shall, we just, shall I just pray to round up and then we'll, we'll move on? So, yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the, the generosity of those that have been keeping the SMG church family going for so long now um, with sacrificial giving, sacrificial time, um, and energy um, just to keep this light going for the local community. Uh, thank you for the opportunity we've all had to come and join this family and to see it move on. And Lord, help us to be as generous-spirited as you were in giving your son for our benefit, Lord, for taking our punishment. Help us to... And, and the way Jesus welcomed everyone, he sought out those on the fringes of society that others thought were not approved of, Lord. You don't have that. You want everyone. So help us, Lord, to, to really represent you well in our generosity of spirit to those around us, Lord. Amen.